the three things that we're going to look at over our communion time are a great victory. That's this evening. Uh, and then, God willing, on Sabbath uh, morning, great assurance. Particularly looking at uh, verse 13. Uh, and then we're going to look at a great challenge uh, from verse 21. This was written to Christians in danger of giving up. Uh, they were being told that what they had was not the real deal. Uh, false teachers were amongst them. And uh, these false teachers were, well, they, they said you needed secret knowledge. They were advocating that Jesus wasn't really uh, the Son of God. And they were, uh, whatever ways they were teaching, it seemed to advocate that you could just, you could continue on living sinfully, that it didn't matter uh, that, uh, you know, your relationship with God depended on knowledge, some secret knowledge, rather than um, Jesus Christ, and that it certainly didn't seem to impact your behaviour anyway. And John writes uh, to defend and define what this salvation is, and to reassure these people that if they're trusting in Christ, they have it. That they don't need anything extra. And so he's writing to assure them uh, of, um, of what they've got. And particularly in verses 3, 4 and 5, there is a key word. And uh, the key word, it comes, uh, it comes across in our English versions, translated overcomes and victory. Uh, overcomes occurs three times and victory once, but it's really the same root word in Greek. It's the word from which uh, the sports company Nike takes its name. It's, uh, the Nike was the, the Greek goddess, I think, of victory, but it's from the Greek word meaning triumph or victory or to overcome. And John wants these Christians who are living at a time of false teaching and opposition and discouragement, he's wanting them to grasp the victory that's theirs in Jesus Christ. And as we come uh, to the Lord's table, uh, that's one of the things we're being reminded of, that Christ has done it. Remember his great cry on the cross, it is finished, it's done. Remember Psalm 22, the closing lines. He has done it. And this is to be declared to the nations. It's why the gospel is good news. And not good advice. Um, do this, do this, do this. No, no, no. That's what the false teachers were saying. And John said, no, no, no. It's done. It's done. And to these Christians, living at a after a time of persecution and maybe moving into another time of persecution, and with these false teachers, any talk of victory would have sounded like lunacy. And maybe in, maybe for you, maybe the world in which we live, where today the uh, our Octus Committee has just said, yes, let's recommend uh, abortion uh, without any limitation uh, for any reason up until 12 weeks. And uh, we think, well, what's Ireland coming to? We look at the world around us, we might think, well, are we wasting our time? Perhaps we look at struggles within temptation, our own feelings where we've disappointed ourselves and we think, really, is there any point? Um, and John uh, wants us to see a great victory. And first of all, uh, this evening, there's three things I want us to see. First of all, a great calling. Uh, then uh, a great encouragement. And then a great weapon. 
So first of all, a great calling. John uh, says, this is love for God, to obey his commands. Then he says, his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is our great calling, and our great calling is to live out the victory that Jesus Christ has won at the cross. We were prisoners of sin. Uh, Since Adam and Eve disobeyed God and fell into sin, uh, they, they set the whole world on a slippery downhill slope where everyone born after them was born to sin. And we, we just did it. We didn't need to be taught. It just happened. Uh, since we were born day after day, we couldn't not sin. And that was our destiny. But now something superb has happened. Jesus has smashed the power of Satan. Jesus has broken the grip of sin on us. And I think we lose sight of this because Satan wants to discourage us. Uh, he wants us to believe that we are victims of our past, victims of our habit, victims of our temperament, victims of our character. Those things all impact us. But whereas before they had the defining word, John is telling us now, not in any cold, demanding, harsh way, he tells us to obey God's command. This is love for God, that we obey his commands. And these commands aren't burdensome. Oh, hold on a minute. They, they used to be burdensome just because we couldn't keep them. But now Jesus has set us free and we can please God. We were previously rebels. We couldn't function as God intended us to function. But now we can. And in John 14 verse 15 Uh, Jesus makes this wonderful promise. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If we've been brought into his family, that's that's not a threat, that's not a a command, that's a, a statement of what will happen. Jesus says, if you love me, something radical has happened in your heart, so there's a victory that has happened. You've been set free from the power of sin, from its grip on you. Yes, we've still got the habits, the muscle memory of sin. But something wonderful has happened. We've been set free. And communion, coming to the Lord's table, is a reminder for us that Christ has broken the chains. Uh, He's started reprogramming us. And he says, you love me. You will keep my commands. We now have a great new role, a great new calling. To live as God intended. And uh, John is, is uh, teaching these people um, to, to live out of their love for God. Some Christians teach uh, as if, well, no, 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 you know, to any mention of this sort of obedience and to obey God's commands, that's to fall back into the old way of thinking, to fall into legalism and to fall into oh, religion and salvation by works. But no. We're saved by grace and John says this is love to God, to obey his commands. Our relationship isn't based on obedience, but it's expressed by obedience. This is what we're here for. 
And John sets our obedience in a great context. He says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God, the victory is theirs. Um, Often we think of obedience as drudgery and hard work, but John calls it victory. And that should help us to to recalibrate our thinking. It's like a soldier obeying commands after the the turning point of the battle, whenever the opposition has fled. I've been listening to uh, some history podcast on Genghis Khan and his conquest. And there was a point in the battle where the opposing armies would just turn and run. Uh, And then Genghis Khan's soldiers would pursue them for days and days. Do you think it was burdensome for those soldiers to obey orders? Well, it was hard work. It wasn't easy. But they were fighting. They were living out of victory. This was their calling. And John is wanting these Christians uh, to see this. Uh, That doesn't mean we strut around. It's not that sort of uh, victory. But it's a calling to live out uh, the victory and love for our our champion. Uh, And so that means that there are lots of ways that we can feel under pressure by the world to conform, under pressure from uh, our, from temptation, under pressure from our own habits, uh, as if we're already defeated. And we're not to be bound. We're not to be bound to the priorities, priorities of the world. We are people that overcome that. And we're not to be bound by the attitudes of the world, the people living in fear of what might happen next or living in fear of global crisis or living in fear of the next recession or living in, in, with the priorities of the world of making money and uh, having nice homes and nice cars and um, whatever it is that the priorities of people are, is the approval of people. Um, the respect that people give, those aren't our priorities anymore. We, we've been set free. We live for greater things. And John wants these people to see that rather than being victims of the world or being downtrodden by the world or missing out on what the world is getting and doing, no, no, no. You live for something higher. You Obey God. And that is to overcome the world and all its low goals. Paul said in Galatians 6, I am crucified to the world. The world is crucified to me. The world. Now when he talks about the world, he doesn't mean um, the, the good things of the world. He means the desires of the world. He means the temptations of the world. He means that whenever the world would take a good thing and elevate it into a a God thing. And that's why John says at the end, keep yourself from idols. Let the world put good things or anything in the place of God. Paul, or John rather, calls us to live out the victory that Christ has won. Um, do, do we need that recalibration of our thinking? Have we fallen into the trap of hearing God's commands and thinking, oh, this is... This is plodding, this is drudgery, this is hard work. It's a part of the victory. Or have we forgotten that 
there are areas in which we need to obey God because Christ has freed us from sin and from the inability to resist and the inability to fight. He's freed us to fight and to resist. So, a great calling. As we sit at the Lord's table, we are being reminded that we sit as forgiven people, as people that have been freed from the penalty of sin. We are being freed from the power of sin. And we sit here as people who are called to live out of Christ's victory. So that's the first thing. The second thing is a great encouragement. If we're to live out uh, the victory, we're to live in it. We're to live in it as well, to be encouraged by it. Um, Christ has won a great victory uh, in, the, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. In his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. The whole thing. In his life, he triumphs over sin and temptation, and he lives the perfect life that we couldn't live. There's triumph. In his death, he pays for all the wrong that we've done. There's victory. In his resurrection, he triumphs over the, the penalty, uh, the final penalty of death. The grave can't hold him. He's our champion. And in his ascension, he's triumphant as he r- rises heavenwards and sits on the throne, crowned and ready to come uh, and to bring his people to be with him forever. He, uh, verse uh, 4 says, This is the victory that has overcome the world. There has been a victory. And Paul, and I mean Paul this time, his, one of his favourite phrases is to describe Christians as being in Christ. We're connected to this great champion who has overcome the world. And we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, We have a crown that awaits us. We are being called heavenwards to receive that great prize. We are overcomers according to this. We are more than conquerors according to Paul in Romans 8. But it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that because of temptation. And it doesn't feel like that because we've got an enemy. We have an enemy, Satan who's the great accuser. And he wants to blind us to the victory. That's one of the reasons why our champion has given us the Lord's table to come to be, to, to be reminded of the victory. And Satan wants to blind us to it through, in the case of, of, of uh, 1 John, false teachers. Um, uh, we also see in 1 John, uh, through false accusations, that you know those the, the, the condemnation of our past sins. Look what you did. How could you have done that? No, you know, how could you be forgiven for that? Satan likes to throw that up in our face. He likes to falsely accuse God to us. So that you know, we think, well, what sort of a God would allow this to happen? Maybe God uh, isn't kind. Maybe God isn't good. Uh, or maybe he accuses us to ourselves how could you be on the winning side how would you think that God would love you or care for you 
And he throws all sorts of accusations because he wants us to live in defeat. He can't take our salvation from us, but he can ruin the working out of our salvation. He can ruin the joy of our salvation. He'll come to us with false assertions. You can't do it. This has you beat. You can't, uh, you can't resist this temptation. Uh, you, you can't uh, live for Christ. You're always just going to be a failure. Um, and into this mental battlefield uh, comes John uh, with 90 plus years of living, uh, well, third, sorry, 60 plus years, 90 plus years of living, 60 plus years of living for, for Christ. And he says, victory, victory. Victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And uh, that's why we study, we've study. we been studying these verses in 1 John. Uh, to give us assurance. That's John's great uh, desire. That these believers will have assurance. And the Lord's table reminds us that we are forgiven. The Lord's table reminds us of Christ's truth over and above Satan's lies. Uh, it reminds us uh, that the victory is ours. Um, and what is this great encouragement uh, as, as we just unpack it a little bit here? Well, there's three things to note. First of all, we're told that his commands aren't burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. Uh, we're called to obedience. And perhaps when we hear that, uh, we tend to focus on, oh, here's, here's what we have to go and do. Um, and it becomes a burden in our minds and uh, we think, well, I've got to obey. I've got to obey against my desires. I've got to obey against uh, the world around me. I've got to obey against temptation and it sounds like a slog and we've got Satan whispering to us that it's a burden to keep on walking in faithfulness. And John echoes what Jesus says in Matthew 11 whenever Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, I hear you, Jesus, but really, is it light? And John says that after 60 years of following Jesus, and tough times, he says, look, it is light. Moses recorded God saying the same thing in Deuteronomy uh, 11. Or sorry, Deuteronomy 30, 11. He says, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. And here's encouragement for us. Satan would say to us, oh, God's commands are strict, they're burdensome, they're tough, they're hard. John comes to us and says, well, no, they're not burdensome. And he's going to give us two encouragements to add to that two reasons why they're not burdensome. 
And we, we can think of why they're not burdened. We know that whenever we disobey God, we get ourselves into more and more trouble, and that is a burden in itself. Uh, but John gives us two, two other encouragements. He says, first of all, you've got a new nature. You have a new nature. Do you see uh, that little phrase there? Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Um, We've been born of God. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. In in John 1.12, John writes uh, that to as many as believed in him and was called in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what we are. That's what we are. We're children of God. Not just a fresh start, but born of God. It's not just that the slate is wiped clean. Something decisive and determinative has happened in each one of you. You have been born of God, by God, from God, and even with God. Because God the Holy Spirit is in you. J.C. Ryle puts it this way. It is the introduction into the human soul of a seed from heaven, a new principle, a divine nature, a new will. That's really exciting. Um, And yes, we we know there's maybe something in you saying yes, but it's all very well, but I still struggle. But the very fact is that we can struggle. We can struggle. The good that we want to do, that's a key thing. Yes, we find ourselves not doing it at times, but we want to do it. We've got a new nature, and we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. Um, we have in us the, the same divine nature that raised Christ from the dead. It's the only nature that can defeat sin and temptation. And it's also a nature that is born to conquer. This should encourage us. Our problem is that we we don't connect, and we'll see that in a moment. Um, But here's here's what Satan doesn't want us to see. He doesn't want us to see that we uh, have a new nature. Um, In Ephesians 4.21, we read these words. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It may be when we hear that that we hear um, the words put off and put on. We hear the command, but did you hear the encouragement? Paul's saying there's an old self and that we've got a new self um, we have a a new self. And you might think, well, you know, I've been around a while and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that's what Paul's not saying. Paul's saying the old dog's gone. There's a new dog. And he's to learn the new tricks. Um, when we sin, it might seem like second nature to us. Well, actually, that's what it is. It's, it's 
second nature. It's not first nature in a sense. We've got a new nature. Um, Satan whispers to us, you can't do it. You don't belong. You're an old dog. You can't learn new tricks now. And John says, nonsense. Nonsense. There's his old friend Paul, the persecutor of Christians. He learned a new way of living. Uh, you know, and we could go through um, different characters in the New Testament uh, who learnt a new way to live because God gave them a new nature. And then the third thing to see here, there's that these commands aren't burdensome. And the first line of evidence for that is we've got a new nature. The second line of evidence is victory is already ours. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God who overcomes uh, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, John says. Uh, our overcoming is certain because Christ has already won and we're in him. And the, our head, Jesus Christ, sits on the throne uh, of the universe. He has triumphed. And one day soon, we will follow. And at the Lord's table, that's why we, we come to the Lord's table, because we're reminded we do this until he comes. It's like a, a preparation for the victory meal, uh, for the great feast, the celebration. And Satan lies to us and says, you, you'll never beat this sin. You'll never beat this attitude. You just are who you are. Or this world is just what it is. You know what why follow God in it? Why, why work hard at following him when this world is just the way it is? You're not going to win. Too late for that. This is the victory that has already overcome the world. And you notice that the NIV says, even our faith. Well, it's not saying our faith is, is defeated. It would just be better having a hyphen there. Our faith, what we believe, has overcome the world. Christ has already triumphed. The victory is ours. Sometimes we feel, what's the point? Well, the point is, we're already on the winning side. So here's great encouragement to keep on believing. Here, we go back to that phrase. These commands are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? Because we have a new nature, a command-enabled nature within us, with the Holy Spirit at the controls. Our old nature was command uh, disabled. Now this new is command enabled. Um, so we can obey. It's not burdensome because keeping God's commands isn't pointless. There's victory. The victory is ours. And more than that, we sang from Psalm 119, uh, sorry, Psalm 19, verse 11, that in keeping them, there is great reward, great benefit now, great reward in the future. And these commands aren't burdensome for a third reason. And I want to quote uh, John Calvin at this point because he has a lovely little bit here. He says, These commands, before we came to Jesus, the commands were like a taskmaster that said, Do it, do it perfectly. Uh, and if you don't do it perfectly, uh, you're damned. And that's what the, the commands were to drive us to Christ. And then he says, He says about God's law, that Christ, freedom that Christ brings allows us to serve the law not as if constrained by legal necessity 
not constrained by legal necessity, but as those who delivered from the law's yoke freely obey God's will. And then he gives an illustration. He imagines slaves commanded to serve their master. And he pictures them. Their masters require of them a fixed amount of work each day. Uh, And these slaves would not dare to appear before their masters without having perfectly performed all that was asked of them. However, children who are treated more generously and leniently by their fathers do not fear to show them what they have done, however rough, half done and faulty it may be. Confident that their obedience and goodwill will please their fathers, even though they have not done Uh, what was wanted. So we should be like children, not doubting that our most mild and kindly Father accepts our service, imperfect and flawed though it is, as indeed he assures us through the prophet, I will graciously bear with them as a father bears with the children who serve him. Not a lovely phrase. So we should be like children, not doubting that our most mild and kindly father accepts our service imperfect and flawed though it is that's why his commands aren't burdensome he remembers we're dust and we're frail and we don't get it right and he calls us to 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 come and follow him he sends us the Holy Spirit to help us follow him he says my love for you isn't dependent on your following of me he says come come walk in my ways because they're the best. There's encouragement uh, to, to come and to, to commit ourselves to walking in his ways. The victory is promised. We're not saying it's easy, but there's help there. There's ongoing victory promised, and there's final victory promised. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So a great encouragement and then finally a great weapon a great weapon this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith and John is uh, in the next verse he goes on to say who is it that overcomes the world only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God Uh, and John is highlighting that it's the content of what we believe that has overcome the world and our act of believing that overcomes. Here's our weapon. The things that we believe and the keeping going on in believing them. How do we overcome the world? Here's our weapon. We keep hanging on to these truths that Christ is our great victor. He has already won. We have faith in his victory. We have faith in this truth of this new nature that he has given to us. We keep hanging on to it. Satan preaches to us, you haven't been made new. And we say, this is the faith that overcomes the world, the flesh and the devil. I believe I have been made new. He says, you're not strong enough. I say, I believe that I will be strong enough because the Holy Spirit has been given to me. And he who is in me, and John, uh, if you turn back to 1 John 4, 4, you'll see this. 
You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's what we're to believe by faith. Faith in his power at work in us. Faith in his presence with us. Faith in his promises to us. Are we going to keep believing them? That's the key. Faith that believes that we are joined to him who has defeated death. Um, And if we believe, if we keep on believing, and we keep on reminding, this is why we need to come to the Lord's table to have our faith refreshed, to be reminded of the things that we need to believe, and to preach them to us whenever we start to forget them. Um, One writer says this, Uh, Faith connects my situation to God's resources. Only then will the light of God's truth overcome the darkness of the world's lies. Faith connects my situation to God's resources. This is our great weapon. As we come to the Lord's table, we're reminded of the victory And we're reminded of the resources that God provides. So uh, this is a time to replenish our faith, uh, to recommit uh, to living out uh, the triumph of Christ in our lives.